Welcome to LifePoint today. Thank you for being here on around the office, what we call the Super Bowl of all Sundays. It's the day when we gather together to proclaim what makes everything that Jesus said true. The fact he rose from the dead. Anybody that raises from the dead, you should just believe everything that they say. And Jesus did that. So thank you for being here today to celebrate that fact with us. People are here for a whole lot of different reasons. Maybe your mom made you come, your dad made you come. Maybe this is your church and you just love being here every Sunday. And just because it's Resurrection Sunday doesn't make a difference, you're still here. Growing up in the little country church I grew up in where my grandfather was the minister for over 50 years, he was the minister at this one little church. I can remember when I was little, he would say this thing at Easter and I didn't quite get it, but now I understand that I'm a pastor and I, I have some people lead. He would get up at Easter every year and he would say, I would like to take this time right now to wish a lot of you a Merry Christmas. And I'll see you next Easter. We're here for a lot of different reasons. But maybe you're one of the people who came here searching for something, hoping to feel something, hoping that, that something could stir inside of you. Could a song or a video or a story or the message or a handshake or a smile or something just make you feel something different inside. Maybe you're hoping today to hear something that, that changes you. And I hope as we go through the story I'm going to share with you today that you find that, that you leave here better than you came, that whatever it is in life that, that's got you maybe out of sorts, that, that things start to get in focus and you leave here feeling like, I just celebrated the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and because of that, he can change my life. Those of you who know me know that I have, at times, a tumultuous relationship with the family dog. Uh, she's a beautiful, furry, little white dog about this big, and, and I really do love her, and she brings a lot of joy to, to the family. But you, you have to give me some grace, because growing up, we weren't allowed to have pets in the house. Maybe a hamster, a goldfish was fine, no dogs going to be run through the house. It's just off limits. So I didn't grow up around that. So when, when the girls were really little and they asked for a puppy that predates the one we have now, I was like, oh gosh, I don't know. And finally, you know, my kids talked me into it. So I'll go out and buy this one that looks just like the one we have now. Uh, that was a little white fluffy dog, Daisy, who is no longer with us. But Daisy, she brought joy to our family. But one thing that happened that I will never forget is one day that that Daisy came out of her little crate and her back legs, she was just dragging her back legs behind her. And so we take her to the vet and the vet said, this is not good. Because we live near NC State and the vet school and all the specialists there, we think we should send her there for them to kind of look at her and evaluate her. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I don't have a lot of money and I can't believe I paid this much for a dog to start with. Now she's sick, and I got to spend 135 bucks or so a night to keep her at the vet school. But so we did. I love my children, and, and in my head I was thinking, all right, I'll spend a thousand dollars. I'll I'll do it. You might think that's crazy, but I was thinking, okay, I'll spend a thousand dollars. And so, but about four days go by, and the tab is ticking. <laughs> And my wife says, honey, you need to go by the vet school and you need to, you need to the, the vet wants to talk to you about what's going on with Daisy. And I was like, okay. So I go by there. He comes in. It's really serious. He comes in with his assistant. They're talking to me and they're telling me all these things, showing me x-rays and they're saying, we can, we can operate 
And, and maybe, just maybe, we're not sure, but maybe it would help her and, and she could uh, be fitted for one of those doggy wheelchairs that she puts her back legs in and, and she, you know, drags this little wheelchair behind her. And he's telling this whole story and, and he said, we can do this surgery for about $4,000. I was like, excuse me a minute. Walk outside, <laughs> call my wife. Honey, first thing she says, how's Daisy? And I said, she's not going to make it. <laughs> so... And she didn't. She went on to be in doggy heaven after that day. When I heard $4,000, there was no hope. Because I didn't have $4,000. It didn't matter. It might have well been $40,000. A lot of times life leaves us completely hopeless. And we feel like, where can I turn? What can I do? It feels like all the hope has been sucked out of life. Whether it's something we did that was really stupid that caused it or whether it was something through no fault of our own. The world has a way of leaving us tired sometimes and worn out, and maybe you walked in here like this today, hopeless. I had hoped to be past this addiction. I had hoped to be married by now. I had hoped my parents would stay together. I had hoped she would have lived longer. We had hoped to have a better income by now. I had hoped to have less regrets at this point in life. I had hoped the lab report would have been good news. I had hoped to lose the weight by now. We had hoped our son would return to God. I had hoped to be past this depression. We had hoped to have biological children. I yearned to be pregnant and carry a child inside of me. But after three different types of medical treatments, six years of trying, two miscarriages, countless visits to the doctor, and pouring out our hearts to God, we were left empty. I felt abandoned by God. I was hopeless. Maybe you just saw your story. Maybe you just saw the things that leave you hopeless. Because a lot of times in life, we can be thrown a curveball that we didn't ask for or that we didn't cause, and things don't go as planned. And we can be left hopeless. And my prayer is for those of you that may have walked in feeling like life couldn't be more hopeless than it is right now. 
I hope that you hear something, experience something over the next few minutes that helps you find the hope that a resurrected Christ can bring to each of us no matter what we're going through. We're going to be looking at a section of Scripture at two followers of Christ who, who had been through the, all, the, all their lives with Christ and they found themselves completely hopeless. This, it was after the resurrection, but they didn't know that. And maybe you don't know that. Maybe you don't know the hope that can come through one thing, and that's a relationship with Christ. And maybe you don't know, for those of you who do have a relationship with Christ, how easy it is to have the hope that He promises each of us, that He provides all of us. The story I'm going to read from is recorded in the New Testament book of Luke. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles. If you're here for the first time, we give these Bibles out every week because we want every person to have God's Word in their hands. It's yours to keep. If you need an extra Bible, you can borrow it. You can also read along on the screen. The corresponding page numbers will be up there as well. Just let them know that you would like one and you can have it. So bring you up to speed as to where we are. Our church has been going through this series called The Story. And the story starts in Genesis, when the beginning of time, when it says, in the beginning God. And, and we started there back in October and we, we planned it strategically so we, we would be talking about resurrection on Easter Sunday. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the ministry of Christ and how he called people to follow him and thousands, if not more, followed Christ. And they watched him heal people. They watched him talk to the sick. They watched him teach. They watched him confront religious leaders. They watched him raise some people from the dead. And they watched him sit down across the table from people that nobody else would talk to. People who'd made mistakes, people whose lives were a wreck, and Jesus sat down and talked to them and let them know they were loved. And they watched him be falsely accused. They watched him be tried. And they watched him die on the cross. And then they forgot. They forgot the promises that he made to them about what would happen on that Sunday morning. We're going to pick up this story in the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 13, when two of his followers were devastated, hopeless, and they're going back to whatever life was before Jesus. It says, that same day, resurrection day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. We don't know exactly what they were talking about. A couple things we do know from this short snapshot of this story is that it's a seven mile journey, which would have taken a couple of hours. And they were sad. Something had happened. And this stranger shows up and starts talking to them. And they're having this experience with Jesus. And they don't even know it. They think he's dead. They think they're alone. But he's right there with him, with them. He's right there talking to them. And they don't even know it. They don't even realize it. 
So they start to say to him, when he says, what are you talking about? They're saying back to him, they say, you mean you don't, you don't know? How could anybody have been in Jerusalem the last few days and not know what happened? It's what everybody's talking about. It's what everybody's doing. And they're asking this person who is Jesus, don't you know what just happened? How could you have missed it? You know, I, I'm not a big, I'm a sports fan, but I'm not a basketball fan. I'm really sorry. Don't hate, all right? I just don't enjoy watching basketball. So I don't mark things by a bracket or March Madness. And, and every year I forget. I forget when March Madness is. Even though March is in the Word, I totally forget. And so a few weeks ago, I come in the office and I hear something in here and I walk in and there's a basketball game on every one of these screens middle of the day. And the people on staff that want to watch it, they pulled in tables and they're sitting right here, the right here on the floor doing their work and watching basketball games. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And they look at me like, oh, don't you know? How could you have missed this? It's everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens every year, March Madness. Guy. Let me know how it turns out. That's how they looked at Jesus. Like, how could you not know this is what's going on? How could you not have known? And so they, they stop and they start talking to Jesus and telling Jesus about Jesus. They say, he was, he was this great man and he was supposed to be our Messiah and he, was, he healed people and he taught and they killed him. He was crucified. And then they say the words that so many of us say throughout life. In verse 21, they say, We had hoped. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. How many times in life have you started that, a, a statement with those words? We had hoped. We'd hoped the relationship would have stayed together. We'd hoped we had more money. We'd hoped that, the, that, our, that our bodies would have lasted longer. We'd hoped we'd have never had to gone through bankruptcy. A lot of things in life leave us hopeless, just like these guys were that day on the road. They had hoped Jesus would have been the Messiah that would redeem the nation of Israel. But they had a problem. Their problem was that they were counting on Jesus for something that Jesus never intended to provide. When they say that he was going to rescue Israel, they're not talking about spiritually. They're not talking about, we had hoped he was going to come and save the souls of everybody. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about an earthly kingdom. They're thinking about politics. They're looking back in time and they're thinking about when King David ruled and the nation of Israel was a world power and they were prosperous and everybody was happy and all other nations loved them. They were thinking back about the time when they had King Solomon and the temple was completed and everybody looked at Israel and said, oh, if we could just have a God like that, if we could just be like them. And they thought Jesus was going to come to set up this kingdom so they could say, now we're finally back in charge again. Now everybody's got to listen to us. Now we're the world power that everybody better be intimidated by. That's what they thought Jesus was going to do. So no wonder they felt so hopeless. And a lot of times today, people can find themselves hoping in Jesus for something he never intended to provide. Oh, if I just, if I just follow Jesus, then all my life's going to go great. If you're over like 
if you got some gray hair, I won't say an age, if you got some gray hair, following Jesus does not exempt you from dealing with difficult issues in life. I mean, I have, I have seen people who both deeply love Christ and are deeply committed to Him have to file for bankruptcy. I've seen people who are a great example of what it means to study God's Word and to live God's Word and to enjoy God's grace, go to the doctor and find out they have a terminal illness. So does following Jesus exempt you from that? Two people who love Christ with all their hearts going through a divorce? So does following Jesus exempt us from having to deal with difficult circumstances? No. And if that's the Jesus you're searching for, that's not the one that rose from the grave. The one that rose from the dead 2,000 years ago is the Jesus that says, I will come alongside you. And when life deals you a difficult hand, when this broken world causes you to be broken, I will be there for you and make you into what I created you to be. See, people who see Jesus just for what they can get from him are really short-sighted. Think about this. You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. Just take a minute. Just think about that. You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. We see our lives right here. Jesus sees our lives with no end. He sees the eternal side. And he's saying, I'm preparing you for that. And while I'm preparing you for that, you're living in this broken world. And so when broken things happen, whether you cause them or someone else causes them, you need to understand that I am with you. And I'm going to help you deal with whatever the world sends you. I mean, picture these two people on the road, having seen Jesus crucified. They're heading back home thinking, well, I guess our side lost. I guess we're not going to have that kingdom we hoped for. I guess we're not going to have this king that's going to help our nation rule the world. I just guess it's not going to happen. And so they turn around, having the bottom completely dropped out of their lives, and they go back to what they knew. And they're just headed back home. Author John Autry says this, Emmaus is any place you go trying hard not to care that the bottom has dropped out of your life. And if you're on the edge of losing hope, or if you've already given up, here's what you need to understand, that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, because of his resurrection, it brings hope to us no matter what we're going through. No matter if my self-confidence is really high or really low, whether I'm filled up with stress or I'm not stressed at all, whether my health is great or my health is bad, whether relationally things are falling apart in my life, all of that doesn't matter because Jesus says, I will come to you in the middle of all of that and I will provide hope. If you're taking notes, write this down. Just because I can't feel God doesn't mean he's not there. He was right there beside these guys. He was right there with them. They didn't feel his presence. And maybe you're going through a difficult time and you're thinking, where is God? Trust me, no matter how far you walk in a direction saying, I give up, he's right there beside you. Because he won't give up. And just because I can't feel God's presence, it doesn't mean... He's not working in my life. Jesus was there when they were hopeless and empty. And even though they said, well, 
We, other people have seen him, or other people not seen him. Other people have seen an empty tomb, and we hear that some of the followers are telling Jesus this: that some of the followers saw angels, and angels said that he had risen from the dead, but but nobody's seen him, and so they're trying to debate this back and forth in their minds, and with Jesus, and they're not even considering the fact maybe he did raise from the dead. Maybe exactly what he said was going to happen, happened. And in their desperation, they forgot. I don't know about you, but I'm really good at forgetting. I I excel at it. I'm really good at it. If I don't write things down, if somebody doesn't remind me, I forget. I know that Tuesdays are trash days. I know that. And every other Tuesday is recyclable day. I know that. And on Tuesday morning, I will walk out. With a drink in my hand, walk right by this trash can, recycle bin, get in the car and drive away. And sometimes I'm halfway out in the neighborhood. If I don't have an appointment, I'm like, okay, I got to go back. But a lot of times I do. And so my wonderful wife, I come home and like, oh man, I forgot again. I forget where my socks go at night. I don't know why. I've been married well over 20 years and I, I should know where my socks go. Not by the bed. They go in the hamper. I forget to close the door. I forget to turn the light off. Come on, tell the truth. You all with me? We forget things. And these people that were walking with Jesus, they had forgotten that he actually said he was going to raise from the dead. You may have walked in here today having forgotten a few things. You might feel alone, even in this crowded room, but there's somebody who loves you. You may feel like you've made a mistake that you can't recover from, but don't forget there's a God that says, I don't care what you've done. Come to me. You may think that your life, the only reason for it is to you know, warn other people, don't do that. You may forget that hope awaits everybody. So Jesus gives them a refresher about the scriptures. He's figuring, all right, they don't recognize me. They're telling me about me. So I need to, I need to do a Bible study with these guys. I've got two hours on the road. And so they're walking along the road. And this is what Jesus says. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. So he went home with them as they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. They thought they were alone and Jesus was right there with them. Can you imagine these two sitting there going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He got us. That was Jesus. The whole time we were desperate, Jesus was right there with us. The whole time we thought all hope was lost, Jesus was right. Oh, Jesus, you got us. You were right there with us. So when you're going to the doctor's office and you're afraid the news you might get, guess who's with you? Jesus. When you've worked and worked and worked on a relationship and still it won't make it, it's not going to make it, guess who's with you? Jesus is. When you figure out 
We've got more bills than we do income. Guess who walks with you through that? Jesus does. And when you've put all your hopes and dreams in a business or or education or something that you think is going to be life-changing and it all falls apart, guess who's with you when it all falls apart feeling everything you felt? Jesus is. And when a tragedy comes into your life that you'd never expected, guess who walks with you? A Jesus who is alive. So you're not alone. And no matter what's going on around us or to us, hope awaits each of us. I had hoped to be past this addiction. God gave me the strength to conquer my addiction. I had hoped to be married by now. Through Christ, I am patient and content in being single. I had hoped my parents would stay together. Now, I have a godly stepfather who loves me. I had hoped she would have lived longer. I know that because of Christ, I will see her again. We had hoped to have a better income by now. God has given us contentment with what we have. I had hoped to have less regrets at this point in life. My relationship with Jesus erased my regrets. I had hoped the lab report would have been good news. God gave me the strength to deal with my illness. I had hoped to lose the weight by now. God has given me confidence and discipline. We had hoped our son would return to God. We continue to pray as we see signs of change. I had hoped to be past this depression. God has restored my joy. We had hoped to have biological children. Our hope has been restored through the beauty of adoption. When God blessed us with these two beautiful children. I love you. I love you too, boo. That's a picture of hope. That's a picture of people understanding in the middle of things not going the way I want. All I have to do is look around and realize that God is with me and there's hope. Having hope doesn't mean that you get everything you want. It means that I can have God's best for me. The the couple that you saw on the screen, Jerome and Denise. Denise is on our staff, and, and I've known them since they went through some of this stuff with wanting to have children. The way they prayed, and the way they hoped, and the way they asked God for kids, and God answered their prayers. When they said, God, we want children, God said, you're going to have kids. And I have two picked out just for you. And they need you. And through that, they found hope. If you're not a Hunger Games fan, this is a spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movies or read the books, but there's a really bad guy, bad character in Hunger Games. His name is President Snow. And President Snow does not want people having too much hope because he wants to keep the world oppressed. And this is what he had to say, this evil man about hope. 
Hope is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective. A lot of hope is dangerous. It's not dangerous to you, but it's dangerous to the one who wants to keep us from the hope that Jesus provides and to the evil one who wants us to go through life hopeless and helpless. When we find hope, that's dangerous. And it concerns him because there's an evil one that wants each of us to feel that emptiness, to feel that Jesus walks with us through everything. And if you're taking notes, write this down. When you've lost hope, Jesus walks with you. And sometimes the best way to find hope is just look into the rearview mirror and look at where you've been. When I look back at my life and I see all the times I thought, oh, this is the end. This is bad. Well, I'm not going to be able to make it past this or through this. I can't do this anymore. When I look back, even though I didn't feel it at the time, I can see where God was there with me providing hope. And the two people that day, they look in the past in the past few hours and they go, aha. And here's what they say to each other. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has risen. So they, they were hopeless. And Jesus wasn't what they hoped he would be. And Jesus shows up and he explains to them what he really is and what he really wanted to do for them. And they look into the past and say, yeah, there was a burning in my heart. I remember feeling this something going on. And so they go the seven miles back to Jerusalem because they have to go back and say, the Lord really has risen. And if you keep reading on in the scriptures there, Jesus starts appearing to more of the disciples saying, I bring you peace. And maybe you came today and you're just, you're feeling something stirring inside of you. Maybe every time you come, you feel this something inside of you just stirring, this ache, these questions. And I would say, just keep coming. Because that stirring is a resurrected Christ saying, I want to give you hope. I want to give you forgiveness. I want to give you grace. And if you're already a follower of Christ, know that. That is available to you. Live in it. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, all you have to do today is take that connect card that you got when you came in and just check you would like to know more about that. And if you're just tired of waiting and ready to take that step and say, I want to know what does it mean to accept the message of Christ and have his hope in my life every day, then just come down front and talk to me or one of our other pastors right after the service and we will guide you through that decision and you can have the hope that Jesus promised, that hope that helps you deal with everything. No matter what the world throws at you, no matter what mistakes you made, you need to know that a risen Jesus brings hope that dead things do indeed live again. So live again today and remember that He offers each of us hope beyond anything we could understand.